This is The Resilient Life, where we believe that every human will struggle in this life. Our challenge is to struggle well. I'm Ryan Mannion. I lost my brother to war, my mom to cancer, and I'm the daughter of a retired Marine. I'm also a wife, mom, author, and president of one of the nation's leading veteran service organizations. Join me and some incredible guests as we explore the value of struggling well through life's inevitable challenges. All right. Well, welcome to another episode of the Resilient Life Podcast. This one is an exciting one. I have coach, and I'm going to get it right, Nia Matalolo, the head coach of Navy football, the Navy midshipmen, and uh, my favorite football team in the entire country, both collegiate and professional. Um, I am so excited to have you on the Resilient Life podcast, Coach Ken. Thanks so much for being here. It's an honor to be on here. Thank you for having me. Yes. So as I was telling you before, uh, before we started recording, um, you know, your, your appearance here is uh, especially timing with uh, the Army-Navy game affectionately known as America's game right around the corner. Um, you know, I think about the army Navy game and what that means and has meant to my family. I remember, uh, attending the army Navy game when I was a child, uh, my dad would bring my brother and I, and, and it was always, uh, it was always a big t- deal for us to watch a West point and Navy play each other, not because of the football game so much, but because of what it represented. And then my brother being a midshipman at the Naval Academy um, and spending those years watching him in the stands with his midshipmen uh, cheering on the team uh, made it even more important. And, you know, and today um, I've continued to attend every game uh, after my brother passed away and um, it, it holds even more significance. I'd love for you. Of course, I know you have your game hat on your coach's hat on it's, it's a game and, and, you're, you're gearing up to win, but could you talk to me a little bit about uh, what the Army-Navy game means to you, not just as a coach, but, you know, as an individual leading these young men who, you know, for some are playing the last football game of their career and then heading off to put on our nation's uniform? Well, I've been coaching for 31 years, and the majority of it's been here at the Naval Academy, 24 years, but I've been at two other civilian schools my alma mater, University of Hawaii, and also UNLV. And so, you know, sometimes the football game is a football game, but what surrounds this game is totally different. It's, it's unique. And I remember my first game in 1995. I remember telling, you know, my players, hey, this is just another game. Just Let's just be relaxed. Let's come and play. And this was the 12th game of the season. So we came for our pregame warm-up. And our guys are asking me, what do we do, coach? Where do we stand? What do we do? I'm like, what are you talking about? We do what we've been doing the 11 other games. But they were so nervous, Ryan. They are so – I didn't realize that. I didn't realize the magnitude it held on these guys. And I also remember we were going to Veterans Stadium and just seeing the core cadets in their gray uh, – core cadets in their gray coats and the brigade of midshipmen in their black coats. We were all in the park. They are all in the parking lot. It was almost like we were going to war, you know, it just, it just sent a, it, it was very unique. Um, we played Notre Dame and a lot of other big schools, but our kids are super nervous about this game because they know it represents, but also from the standpoint of 
we want to beat them in the worst way. Uh, but after the game, we recognize that these guys will join, you know, the arm in arm as they serve our country and protect our freedom. And seeing some of our former players now, you know, they talk about that game, but then they also talk about Coach Memerson. So he goes, yeah, I actually served with him, the kid that played on West Point, a, a player that played on West Point. And they talk about how they became good friends and the relationships that build after, um, you know, the football side of it. Now, don't get me wrong, when it comes to that day, you know, the midshipmen or Navy people, Marine Corps are going to always vote for Navy and, you know, Army for Army. But for this one day, it's a game where we just compete against each other for football. But after that, we recognize that they're going to protect our country. And I think being a part of that has made me realize that I'm very fortunate, you know, because the majority of them don't go on to the field. It's done. And their next service will be to our country. Absolutely. And, you know, it is. It's just, I think that is why, you know, I, I don't stand alone with just this understanding that it's it's so much more than a game that day. And And, of course, listen, you know, the Army fans are giving it to the Navy fans and vice versa. But I have been at, I think, almost every game since 99, 2000, 2001, I've been at every in-person army Navy game and no matter the outcome, um, it is just the, the reverence of watching these two teams sing their alma maters, um, to their, their core cadets and the midshipmen. And just, again, knowing what these, uh, men are going to go on, young men are going to go on to do it, it. It's pretty, it's pretty awe-inspiring and, and it leaves you feeling inspired as an American to see this, you know, this next generation of leaders that's going to be taking off those football uniforms and putting on military uniforms. I will tell you though, you, you spoke about, you know, we play, and I know you guys just played Notre Dame last week. Wasn't the outcome that, that you wanted, but I have to tell you a story, you know, after, and I think you were, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm looking at the timeline. You were either, the assistant coach, or it was her first year of head coaching, if I'm if I'm looking at the the years right, but it was, I think it was 2007. So my brother was killed in April of 2007. So it was that fall that Navy played Notre Dame at Notre Dame. And, um, and my husband said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go out to the Notre Dame game. He said, I want to, you know, I want to go out there for Trav and, you know, just watch Navy play and him and a, a buddy flew out there to watch the Navy Notre Dame game and, and Navy beat Notre Dame in triple overtime. And um, my husband still to this day talks about that game as the most incredible football game he's ever watched in his lifetime. And I remember he called me out after the game and he was like, I felt like <laughs> Travis was there. You know, it was like the first Navy game he had seen since Travis was killed. And he was just like, there was, it was electric. And so, um, you know, I think moments like that for, and you talk about this, you know, these, these guys aren't necessarily going into the NFL and they're playing against teams like Notre Dame and they're, they're going up against some of these really competitive teams. Um, but they still have the grit and the gumption to pull out some of these big games. It's, it's pretty incredible. And, and it must make you have a different understanding of the type of men, young men you're working with um, on, on your team than, you know, frankly, a typical coach is getting at a different university. No, I, there's no doubt in my mind that your brother and others were there because there are things that happened that game, like 
the ball would fall or they would drop a pass like whoa how did that happen so <laughs> we definitely got some we definitely got some help that game and you know was, I was actually still an assistant but it was a great game to beat them in 2007 but we got some help that game I mean yeah. that was a really good team but uh, it is a special place right and just it just makes you realize that you know very fortunate the type of young men that you coach here, the, the people that go to school here, the young men and the young women, they're elite. You know, I, I didn't serve, but I have uh, my brother who's in the army for 30 years. My, my dad served in the Coast Guard. I have family members in the military, but I never served. I was just looking at my stomach. I'm, I'm not a military person, <laughs> but um, I have great respect for them. I have great respect for what they do for our country. and. I always say this all the time when I, you know, talk and just, you know, my country's not perfect. I mean, but what country is, you know what I mean? But I'm so grateful for these people that decide to come and serve and protect our freedoms because it's a great country. I mean, this, I'm grateful. My, my, grand, my grandparents came to the United States for a better way of life. And it's, you know, I'm grateful that I've been able to provide a, the American dream for my kids and my grandkids. But it's because of people that have come before and people that have served. We just had Veterans Day, people like your brother, you know, great Americans that have paid the ultimate sacrifice that we can have these podcasts and we can live a great life in America. And so I'm, I, I know being here for so long that I'm, I'm in a unique calling. It's more than just being a head football coach. And that, that doesn't, that responsibility, I don't take lightly. Yeah. I, um, I actually, yesterday with the being veterans day, I was, I was scrolling through Facebook and one of, uh, my friends who was uh, a Navy football player, Joey Fay had posted a picture. Um, he graduated in, I think, Oh, two, um, Oh three. Oh, I think Oh three, but he had posted a picture and it, it was probably 2001. I'm assuming because, um, George Bush was in the locker room with the team and it was a picture of the back of him. You could just see Faye on the back of his jersey and standing next. And then, you know, President Bush is in front of him and standing next to him is uh, J.P. Blecksmith. So you see Blecksmith on the back of that jersey. And, you know, just to think that was, uh, you know, 2001, uh, the president standing there and you see these these two young kids with their football jersey on. And then, you know, J.P. Blecksmith uh, goes on to. graduate. And, um, you know, he's one of the first midshipmen killed, um, uh, when he's serving in the Marine Corps. And so, um, you know, you, you, you know, the gravity of that, and, and I'm sure weighs heavily on you as a coach, knowing what these men and women are going on to do. And, you know, that we all know that coaches, regardless of sport, really fill a lot of roles for men and women that they lead. And when you're on the field, a lot of times you aren't talking about what happens on the field. And I loved listening to some of the interviews that you do because you're talking about life and, and what are some of your own personal life lessons that you always try to make a point to pass on um, to, to your players? Well, uh, United States Naval Academy, you know, more than anything, more than an academic institution, you know, more than sports, this is a leadership institution. We pride ourselves in being the premier leadership institution in the world and we're producing leaders for our country. And so I really believe that football and a lot of sports is a great laboratory for leadership because there's a lot of things 
in this, you know, there's a microcosm of life. There's adversity, there's good times, there's bad times, there's teamwork, there's hard work, there's things that you have to work through, things that you can't learn in a classroom, things that you can't read off a textbook, only things that you can kind of suffer in this sport without actually being in battle, without actually being in combat, uh, you know, the, those are going to serve. And so I always try to relate those. And, you know, even for like a season like this, we've had a lot of great seasons we've won, which is great. Um, but I've also told our guys, you're going to lead during bad times. There's going to be adverse times. And you, it's easy to lead when things go good, but you're going to have to lead your sailors and Marines when things go awry when you're, they're gonna look for you for leadership and you're gonna have to get them out of it and you're gonna have to help them. Things aren't always happily ever after. You know, there are a lot of things that transpire. And so um, I, I've told, I, I talk to our guys all about that all the time about life lessons, but I also tell them mostly my, my biggest lesson to our team is the most important group, I believe, this is just personal group you're gonna lead is your family. And so I try to help them become better husbands first, better fathers. And that's going to be the first, your first unit that you're going to lead. Most important is your family. And, you know, that you can be strong for your family when there comes sickness or things happen in your family that you don't run out on them, that you stay strong, that you lead your family, you lead your wife, you lead your kids. And then, you know, then I break that even more so just from a standpoint of, you know, leading your your sailors and Marines, you're going to have young guys younger than you. I know you're young. I tell guys, you're going to be leading people in a couple months, in a year. You're going to be leading people. And they're going to be looking to you for counsel, advice, marital advice, personal advice. And so I think the thing is that we try to teach her of accountability, uh, doing the right thing, choosing the right decisions, always come to always consequences, uh, attention to detail. I think they they relate on the football field, but they take over the life. And those are my biggest lessons. Our number one goal is to develop young men of character and leadership. That's our program goal. I think people would be surprised. I think they would thought that our the Navy football program's goal is to beat uh, Army and Air Force in the winning commander in chief trophy. That's not our why. Our why is to develop young men of character and leadership. Now, I believe in the meantime, all of that can transpire in beating Air Force and beating Army and winning your games. But I think there's a bigger lesson to life that I feel like I'm gonna always teach. And I don't know if it's always the right thing. Um, maybe some alumni may want to, hey, we gotta win more games and which we're gonna to try to do, but I'm never gonna sacrifice the value, my personal values or the values of what the school are just to win football games. You know, we're always gonna do the right things. Um, so those are the lessons, Ryan, that we always talk about is just choosing the right, um, you know, developing leaders here. So first and foremost, you can lead your own family, lead sailors and Marines. And then, then after that, you know, if you're owner of a company or whatever you're doing in life, that all of these life lessons have helped you. It's, it's so true. And it's so important to think about, you know, this, this fleeting moment at their time at the Academy, um, you know, they're on the football field, but what comes next, right? And and this idea of leading and developing um, leaders of character. Uh, my, I, I've talked about it before in a couple other episodes, but my daughter 
my 13 year old daughter plays soccer. She's been playing on a travel soccer team since she was in kindergarten. I don't know if she'll ever step foot on a, a college field, but, and you know, some, some years she's been on the same team. Some years her team's good. And some years her team barely wins a game. But the, the, the lesson she is learning from the coach that she has, the incredible life lessons, that's why we write our checks for her to be a part of this program. Because more than anything, she's learning how to be a good individual. She's learning what it means to take losses with dignity. She's learning what it means to work together with, it, with a team. And the coach is really focused on that. The coach is really focused on really making sure that she's building young women of character. And so um, I completely, um, and again, you know, we want them to win some games and they work towards that, but that's not always the number one objective. And, and I love, um, I love that you speak to that. Um, you know, I'd love to dive in, you know, with some of the, the, you know, dealing with personal challenges and how you continue to lead effectively. Um, both you and I lost brothers, um, mine, uh, mine in Iraq, and you tragically lost your brother in a drowning accident. How do you continue or how did you continue to serve in a leadership role at that time? Because I'll tell you, after my brother was killed, I was crippled. Um, yeah. I, was, I was not able to, frankly, for several months, function as a human. And so uh, I look at how you, you know, kind of got back into it. Like what, what helped you get through that time and, and, and how did you continue? And, and in a position of leadership, when all eyes are on you, you know, work through that personal tragedy um, and keep doing what you're doing. It's hard. I mean, it, it, it's, um, it's hard. You know, when you talk about family. You're just grateful for your family members. Sorry, I didn't know I was going to cry when you talked about my brother, but. Sorry. I don't know, Ryan, if there is a blueprint. I don't know if there's a formula. You just do your best, you know, when something like that happens. You go from the euphoria of, it was actually 2015, like the best season I had ever had in my career. We just, you know, you know, be an army and um, you get a, you know, you get a call that your brother drowned. And, and so you get these, you know, these, these different spectrums. You're on the utopia. In the, on this platform and then you hear that and like so I'm sure you had those same things just like it just it's denial at first um but it's hard you know it's hard I mean it's it, there's like I said I don't know if there's a blueprint um and I'm a I just relied on my faith did it you know, change a, you as a um a tragedy like that do you do you feel like it changed you as a leader as a coach I'd always, I think it always gives you a little bit more empathy and sympathy for others and to feel a little bit more what people are going through. Um, I, you know, it just, but I think the way I've gone through some of those kinds of things is, is my why and 
just relying on my spiritual, you know, my faith, because those are hard. But, you know, those kind of deaths are hard. I mean, I've, I've been to funerals of my players, which are hard. I, I was there when, you know, when, um, when they told um, the doctors, um, told David Forney that his parents, that his son had passed, their son had passed away. I mean, it's just to hear the, the cries of the parents. I think you, you know, for me, I, you know, outside of losing my brother, I've, I've, I've lost many of his friends that, um, yeah. Marines he served with, those he went to the Naval Academy with. Um, and, you know, it's, it's cliche and you, you've heard, you know, this idea of uh, life is short and you don't get to pick the minute or the hour or the day. And, um, and so for me, after I kind of went through that denial, that shock, um, of the loss, I, I really kind of resolved to, to say, I'm not going to take one minute for granted. I'm not going to take one second for granted. You know, my brother doesn't have that opportunity and I'm going to live and, and work to be the best version of myself for him. And I think that's the best that all of us can do when we suffer a loss as tragic as losing a sibling. Um, but I think sometimes it's hard if you haven't experienced that loss to understand and to, to kind of have that realization of, wow, you know, we're only here for a short time. We got to make it count. And, you know, I, like you leaned heavily on my faith, um, when my brother was killed and, and, you know, when my mom passed from cancer, um, uh, some years ago, but I think that, you know, when we talk about loss and when I talk about loss, I, I, I think that your grief has, the, you know, it has the power to change you and, but you get to decide if it changes you for the worse or for the better. And, um, you know, I found in, uh, in my, just again, this is just me and this is, but just, I just, I, I, I am who I am in my leadership. I don't try to be anybody else. I just, you know, I'm a kid, I'm, a, I'm not a kid anymore, but I'm from, you know, from Hawaii, from the North Shore of Hawaii, from parents, American Samoan parents that raised in a religious home that where work ethic was taught. Colonies of people are very close, they're very emotional. They love hard, they cry hard, we eat a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but we're family oriented. And so in my leadership and some of the stuff when it happened, there are a lot of tears. There are a lot of tears with the parents. There are a lot of tears with my own parents. But the strength, you know, it gave me strength that we press forward. And the, my thing with, with them is okay. And the way that I continue to keep leading, um, there's, like I said earlier, there's some empathy and sympathy that you feel for others. But just to continue to keep pressing forward and the lessons that you can learn, like you said, I mean, the your why, whatever that is, whatever your spiritual background is, there's a picture after David Forney's passing, just our team together on a knee praying. You know what I mean? Just, we got there together. 
And I wasn't, you know, I knew that, you know, my family, my players would be looking at me and my strength that I got is from my relationship with the Lord, but it wasn't easy. I'm a person. You know, I mean, it's hard, but you continue to keep leading. You keep drawing on strength of your loved ones. You draw on the strength that we have some resilient young men in this program. Um, my wife, <laughs> my wife was, you know, your companion definitely helped you through all of this stuff, but um, just family and friends, some of the things that I've learned in my own life. I also had great coaches too, you know, Ryan, just my high school coach was awesome. He actually tragically passed um, right before our first playoff game, my senior, my junior year. We ended up going to win the state championship, but he passed of a heart attack. But he was a very disciplinary type of coach, accountability, attention to detail, all the things that I do here at the academy and so you draw on your life lessons you draw on some of your life relationships uh some of your why you just keep pressing forward yeah absolutely when when um when you say goodbye to seniors every year are you thinking about uh those future endeavors that they may have i mean do you think that you've you you said you know you've coached at a couple different places um but coaching at navy how does saying goodbye to them hit differently than it would um, at some of the other places you've coached? Well, you can see I'm a crybaby. I, yes, <laughs> I, mean, I, I always cry at senior day. It's always really hard uh, to say, you know, I mean, I see the parents, you know, they come with their sons and, and, you know, to see them and to see their sons graduating, you know, it's, it's hard. I mean, you're, you're, you're excited too. Um, I always have a senior barbecue where I have all the seniors come and probably one of the coolest things I do as a coach, right? So I just come and invite them, you know, it's their um, April of their senior year. I just cook for them, you know, and I think at first they're like, hey coach, well, they're coming to your house for what? And it's always funny because they always come there and they're like sitting around because I'm, I'm still the coach. Yeah. And I'm like, guys, you, you, you guys do whatever you want. You guys go have fun. I'm, don't talk to me. Go talk with your brothers. I'm I'm just here to barbecue the meat. You, just, <laughs> you don't have to talk to me. Right. So my wife and I just serve them. But at the end of it, Ryan, we sit down and we just talk about just anything, any impressions or any feelings that they have. And just my wife and I just express our gratitude to them for coming to serve, coming to the United States Naval Academy, playing for us, and now they're going to serve our country. Just just gratitude. It's more of an expression of gratitude. And I don't know a better way. It's just a lot of ways to, to show my gratitude by, by feeding people. <laughs> and so uh, we come and it's one of the, the best parts of coaching for me, just to hear all of their stories and, and the things, their feelings and, you know, the laughs, the, there's tears. It's, it's just a great time, you know, to hear some of these guys talk. But those are the days that I make, again, just reaffirms that I'm in a special place. I'm at a unique school with a unique objective and you know i'm very grateful for it that's awesome i i love that and you know again my my brother my brother wrestled at the academy and um i saw that brotherhood um in a in a sport that is largely individual um but i i saw that you know to this day some of my greatest friends and and now brothers are you know the the midshipmen that Travis wrestled with at the academy. And, um, 
you know, it was, it was, there was a real brotherhood there and, and a bond that, um, is not replicable. And, and I don't think would be replicable at another school because of what they were going on to do. I have to ask you though, I don't want to, I don't want to take too much of a seismic shift, but, um, I have a personal question for you that, you know, I've got a, I've got a seven-year-old son who my brother played football all through high school. Um, and, you know, and ended up, uh, ended up choosing wrestling as his, he, he, he wrestled, played lacrosse and played football in high school, but ultimately um, chose wrestling uh, when he went to college as his sport. And, but my brother was playing football since he was five, six years old. You know, I remember him in his little football and, and not flag football was playing, you know, you know, regular tackle football from a very young age. And I, my husband and I are having this kind of battle on when we put our seven-year-old son into football. So, I mean, I'm sitting here with the collegiate football coach. I'm like, I got to ask the question, you know, what's your advice for young parents and or parents of young kids that are, you know, cause I hear all these mixed things and I'll talk to football players who are like, ah, eh, you can wait till they're in junior high. Uh, and I'm like, really, that seems so long. So, um, I'd love to hear from you what you're thinking about that. That's a great question. I mean, my, my kids started and I think my son started in fifth grade and a little bit later, you know, in sixth grade and uh, they didn't start in peewees. They started went a little bit heavier, but I was also, I think a lot of it too, Ryan, depends. Sometimes um, there are some better football programs than others that right. you just got to be careful, you know, because football is such a violent game. So you got to make sure that people are teaching things correctly so nobody gets hurt. I mean, obviously one way, but really that doesn't matter then, you know, who draws the best X's and O's, but you just want to make sure that they understand safety. Yeah. And so I don't think it hurts for kids to wait a little bit later if they want to wait to get up a little bit older. But I think what you're doing as far as having your son play a lot of different sports is awesome because it allows them to pick. And, you know, nowadays there's so much specializing of sports but as your son plays all these different sports, he might gravitate to one like your brother did. Absolutely. You know, but sometimes if he doesn't have that option, he won't know that this is his true love. Yep. And so my opinion was to keep it open. If there's, you know, you and your husband think of there's a, as you look at these coaches and you feel like they know what they're doing and they can keep your son safe, I think it's fine. Yeah. It's, it's funny too, because I look at, you know, just now I've got a, I have a daughter who's a sophomore in high school and um, she plays lacrosse and, you know, that is her sport um, and, you know, wants to play in college. Um, and I look at my brother and he was a, 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 a varsity, four-year varsity for three sports in high school. I mean, that doesn't happen anymore. You know, kids are just so shooting towards one sport. And so we are, for our kids, it's like, try everything. And it's funny, we put my son, who's named after his uncle, his name is Travis. We're like, well, you got to get on the wrestling mat. He got out there the first year and he hated it. He was like, and he hasn't gone back since. And we're like, okay, he may be named after Travis, but wrestling may not be his thing. But you know what? We're like, maybe he'll come around in a few years, but we're not pushing anything. We're letting him try everything. Um, couple more questions for you. Uh, first, what tips or lessons learned do you have for for other coaches, um, 
other men and women who are leading, you know, and, and again, you're in a unique place, but you look at the, the mom or dad that's going to be coaching little league or peewee football or whatever it may be. Um, do you have any good tips for them on, on how they can, you know, teach leadership on top of the sport? And that's hard at, at, you know, when you're teaching young kids, but I think important to know, like right now, uh, with these, um, intramural sports like listen every day when we're signing up it's like will you volunteer to be a a coach you know because they're just they're looking for people and i i think people hesitate to jump into it not because they don't understand the sport but more do i have what it takes to coach kids so any any good tips that you could provide to them one of my best friends in coaching or in life is brian Norwood. he actually coached here for several years he's was here for a little bit been a lot of different places penn state baylor Texas Tech. He's currently at UCLA. But he always talked to me about um, victories, not getting wins, but get, gaining victories. And I was like, well, that's winning. Because no, 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 you're getting victories in life. So as you're coaching, maybe your guy isn't the best. Maybe, uh, you know, you're not winning, but you see your player improving. You see him getting better at a certain skill. You see his discipline get better you see his pad level get better you see them getting faster and stronger so looking for victories in coaching and I'll tell you, that's really hard individual coaching because it's such a ruthless cutthroat profession and that it'll spit you out in a heartbeat and so that lesson that he talked to me about you know he calls me Nehemiah when you're in this just think about looking for victories small victories in your coaching I think that's an important lesson for all coaching. You just, you know, you're looking for victories. You know, can if you're a youth basketball coach, is his dribbling better? Can he can he can he or she, you know, do a layup now with their left hand? Their left hand improve. If if you're in lacrosse, you know, I mean, your your passing getting better, but that's hard because everything is quantified by wins and losses, you know. And sometimes you feel as, um, how do I put it? In my profession, it's kind of crazy because I'll go to church and people see like you're struggling at work. Oh, sorry about that, brother Mato. You, you know, you know, because they know we're not doing so good. Right. But nobody knows anybody else's profession, like how, if you're doing good or bad. Right. So in sports, there's always a quantified L and the and the W, like so there's no in between. Right. And so I think as in coaching, if we can all learn, especially at that level or any level, there are a lot of victories in between there. And people are learning things. We're all human. We're all developing some way. And I think that's my biggest thing is just don't quantify your success with your, your players, with your program, all with L's and, and, and W's. Although that's important, there are a lot of other victories that are happening in the meantime. It's, it's so interesting that you say that because I, really, I never really thought about it in that way. But yeah, you're... you're your position is so quantifiable between like you had a good year because of the, the W's and the L's versus you had a bad year, but like, and, and nobody else is being looked at from that way. You know, nobody knows what, what's going on. And, but this idea of nobody also is seeing the victories that you're having and the victories that your players are having and the growth and development. And um, man, I love that. That is like fantastic advice. It's interesting, like I said, um, so I've been here 
for two of the seasons, the most wins in school history. You know, two years that we won 11 games. Both years we were ranked. And we had great young men and great players. It's interesting, Ryan, this year, just as I look at what this school stands for and what I'm trying to develop as the head football coach and just kind of my more, I don't know if I've been more proud of two teams. It's like just their leadership. My four captains led during a pandemic last year, and I'd see them have team meetings, and I'd see them talk about things. They're, you know, there's depression going on. You know, guys are locked up in the Bancroft, couldn't come out. Our school, like, like unlike other schools, our guys were in the dorms the whole time. They couldn't yeah. go anywhere. My son, who was in a pandemic at college, at least they could go out and grab something to eat or kind of get out of their school. They didn't have, they weren't stuck in a dorm. So you're dealing with all of that. And just to see the captains last year be doing during a pandemic, I mean, just unbelievable young men. And then I see our captains this year and I've watched them lead. In spite of our record, I see our guys, Ryan, coming to work every day and not complaining and not pointing the finger. That's hard. Human nature is like, yeah, it's their fault or it's his fault. And why am I working so hard? And you start to complain. And the only reason that's been able to happen is because of the leadership of the captains. And I'll just tell this to our staff as a guy, I don't know if I've ever been around a team like this that continues to keep fighting, but because it's the leadership of these young men. And I don't think they would have gotten that kind of lesson if everything was prosperous and we're, we're killing people like in some of those years, you know, we're, we're struggling with through that struggle. You've seen the character get illuminated. You see some of the refiners fire, so to speak, kind of take away some of the blemishes of some of the people and it's refined their character. And it's like I said, you can't learn that in the classroom. You can't read that in textbooks. If I, I didn't think I could love, the Navy football team anymore, but, uh, man, I'm, I'm again, I'm such a fan. When I told my dad that I was going to be, um, my dad's a retired, uh, Marine Corps Colonel. When I was sharing with him that I was going to be interviewing you and he's, he's on the foundations board at the, at the Academy. So he's had the, the privilege to hear you speak and, and address, uh, address them. And he said, you know, you got to know that for coach Ken, it's, it's about building leaders and, you know, and that really exudes in everything that you shared. And so it's, it's incredible to just kind of hear it straight from your mouth. And, you know, you've got, you've got big fans that, um, that talk about everything you've talked about, they get, and they understand, you know, that you are building leaders, that it's more than just a game. And, and I love this idea of, of victories outside of wins and losses. Um, it's so incredibly true. Uh, Coach Ken, I'm going to ask you one final question. It's uh, the question I ask everybody as we end out the program. And uh, most of the time, the answer has already been said a thousand different ways in, in the questions I've already asked. But if you could sum it up in 60 seconds or less, what does living a resilient life look like for you? Um, living a resilient life to me just being true to who you are and your character, you know, in spite of the circum circumstances don't change who you are. The circumstances don't change how you make decisions, that your, your decisions and who you are as a person, in spite of the circumstances, in spite of what's going around you, that you're true to who you are and your values don't change. And 
you know, from a football coach, from winning to losing, pressure to no pressure, prosperity or failure, um, you stay the same. You stay true to who you are. And to me, that's the reason in life. Absolutely. Being true to who you are. I love it. Coach Ken, thank you so much for joining us today. I know that there are there are quite a few uh, Army fans that listen to our podcast, uh, but uh, you know I am an unapologetic forever Navy football fan, and I think that regardless of who you're rooting for for this game, you're going to take a lot from this conversation and have a deeper appreciation for what Navy football is all about. Um, thank you so much for joining us. It's really been an awesome pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for all that you're doing, you know, in memory of your brother but also for our country. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Resilient Life Podcast. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. And don't miss the Army-Navy matchup on December 11th, Saturday, December 11th. I will be there at MetLife Stadium watching my Navy football team take the field. Thanks so much.